Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats with your host, Delicia Alarcón, your resident Haitia and grad school fairy godmother with some cafecito. Always. I hope you grab your café, your water, your tea, your lleva mate, your wine if it's after hours to listen in on this conversation about college and career, following your bliss, figuring out what you want to do in life, eliminating the gatekeeping and the fancy big words that we use in higher education and corporate settings to really gatekeep first-gen and BIPOC individuals. So I hope this podcast serves as a space where you feel heard, seen, and safe to have all these conversations and ask all the hard questions and the big questions. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the College and Career Coffee Chat. Today, I'm so excited because I have someone all the way on the West Coast with me. Her name is Faiza, and I'm going to introduce her and a little blurb about her life experiences, and then we're going to get right into it because she has a wealth of knowledge and so much life experience that I think is going to really support any students who's who's listening to us. So if you are listening in again, welcome back. So Faiza has nearly a decade of experience in the entertainment industry. She has worked with major studios and production companies such as Warner Brothers, E-Entertainment, Endemol, Shine North America, Magical Elves, and Vin de Bona Productions. And her extensive experience in the industry includes onset production, contract management, contract drafting, rights management, licensing, deal negotiation, rights and permissions, and project management. She received her Juris Doctor from the University of Detroit Mercy School of Law, as well as Master of Arts in Bioethics and Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from Loyola Marymount University. She is currently the clearance manager at Tennis Channel, and she is a dedicated sports broadcasting network that reaches over 60 million households in the United States. So if you are interested in law school, entertainment industry, LA, West Coast type of life and energy, I am so excited for this conversation because this is what she's all about. So without further ado, we're going to cheers our little drink because don't forget, it is a coffee chat. <laughs> she has a little smoothie today. I have some tea. So cheers. <laughs> so if you hear us slurping or like something that pounds, it's probably our mug or our coffee. So <laughs> beware. Um, so without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself wherever you want to start? If you want to start with entertainment industry or, or law school, um, this is mostly about your story and what you're all about. So welcome. Sure. Th- thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I'm really excited to share my experience because I've had a very, I've had a very interesting path to where I am <laughs> today and where I still want to go. It's, sure. I always say my life was like the road less traveled and it might seem backwards to people. It might seem a bit like, wow, you took a really big detour, but without that experience, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. I want to be the person that I am in the workforce. Um, I'm very particular about how I conduct myself at work and what I expect at work. So mm-hmm. those are things that are important to me. And I got that from all the experiences I had. So I guess the best way to start is the beginning. So <laughs> <laughs> it won't be long, but I'll, I try to make it, I, I think I've 
told the story enough to friends and family that I think I can whittle it down to like a certain amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. So I went, I went to Loyola Marymount. I always wanted to work in the entertainment industry. Um, it all started when I was like a teenager. So I would watch those magazine shows like entertainment tonight, access Hollywood, E news, you know, yeah. and actually a lot of those are like kind of gone and remorphed itself. So yeah. when you would watch like, for example, when people would watch the Emmys, people in my age group would probably go, oh, my God, I want to see what they're wearing. Or, oh, my God, who won this? I was like, I want to know how much you made an episode. Because I was more mm. into television. So mm-hmm. I was always interested in the business aspect of, of the industry. I, I try to understand ratings. It was hard. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what 1.2 out of 5 means. I don't yeah. get it. So, you know, I always try to understand ratings, but I still never got them. But I always wanted to learn everything else because it takes a lot to bring up whatever you see on screen. And when I got into production, finally, I saw how much work that takes. And it's a lot of work. I think a lot of people that are called below the line crew, they don't get enough credit. Like, Mm -hmm. even down to the PA, the production assistant, they do so much for the production and... I saw that firsthand graduating from law school and being a production assistant. People are like, oh, you don't want to be. I'm like, I'm not beneath it because I need work experience. I literally just graduated from law school. I didn't take a bar exam because I couldn't afford it. And I needed money badly. Like my bills were piling up. Like they don't right. stop because you suddenly <laughs> come back, you know, because I've deferred right. before. But after a certain time, it kind of like, you know, you run out and you have to start paying. So I had to worry about how am I going to make money? And, you know, with my mom, she, when I graduated law school, she recently, she became widowed two years after I came back, before I came back, because my father passed away in 2010. And I just couldn't like ask her for money. You know, she, she gave, she ended up giving me some money, but I always felt guilty because I'm like, you're not supposed to be doing that. But anything I should be helping you. And I always kind of have this dread that I should be helping her. And I should be a lawyer and I should be doing all this stuff, but I feel everyone's path is different. Like, you know, I'm, you know, it's different for millennial than it was for a generation Xer or somebody that was a baby boomer, which was like my, my dad's generation. Um, I think, and my, and my mom's too, actually. So, you know, it's very different where you're not at a place for 15, 20 years. You're like, if you're, I was told so much that, Oh, don't stay anywhere more than five years because if you do, you lose experience because you're you're stuck in your ways because maybe a company may not update itself or maybe not update its capabilities and there's so and technology is always constantly updating especially like how we right. complete work and projects that you fall you fall behind if you stay too long somewhere you know that's that's kind of like now a pipe dream now you have to be moving around so mm. I found myself doing that a lot when you get into production you are a freelancer so you you may get a payroll company paycheck for like x amount of weeks or months but in the end you're not a staff employee you're a temporary employee that's under a contract and just them paying on a payroll a separate payroll just makes it easier for them so you're always right. you're always looking you're always hustling and i enjoyed it at first because i i like that i had time off sometimes cuz i felt right. like doing college grad school, working full-time while in grad school, then going immediately to law school, doing three years of that. I was burnt out. I was mm-hmm. so burnt out by 2012. It was literally from 2003 to 2012. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm very tired. 
So I like the idea that there were jobs where I can have some time off, like in between. So my first job out as a PA, I was very lucky. Um, I ended up being at a job that was only for a month that ended up being a year and a quarter. So, which doesn't, which is very rare unless where the show, where the production company is making a lot more shows or they just really like you. They just find wherever yeah. to place you. And that's what they were doing for me. It was a little both. Like things kept coming in. They're like, let's keep her, let's keep her. And, you know, for me, I always felt like I had to prove myself because it was a referral. Like it was mm-hmm. my mom's boss, his friend. She's like, he basically told her friend, my boss, you need to hire her. Like, no, there's no question. Like, you just have to hire her. You have to give her a job. And that's how it is in a lot of times when it's like, you know, in the industry where it's like, just, just give her a job, you know? So I felt like in many ways I still have to prove myself because there were people around me that came from, they started with nothing. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when they hear you got referred or somebody gave you a job, they kind of look down on you for that because it's like, Oh, "Oh, you didn't earn that. And I felt that at some jobs I worked at, um, particularly in Warner Brothers, where, you know, I was relieving somebody from maternity leave, but I felt like there were, I, I got the sense, she never said it, but I got the sense that she felt threatened because, oh, the exec, like the former executive referred her. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, and you feel like you have to constantly prove yourself to make sure it's like, a, it's like imposter phenomenon in a different mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. where you feel like you're proving yourself just so I'm like, no, I can hang with you people. I, mm-hmm. it, you know, that was just my way in. It's not determinative of, oh, I'm a moron. I don't know anything. Or, oh, you're just getting this because it's a favor. It mm-hmm. was a favor, but I knew because all the traditional ways I was applying for work, no one wanted me. Everyone kept saying, oh, she's in law school. She, she should be a lawyer. Why is she not a lawyer? Because like, I didn't pass the bar. What, I didn't take one. I mean, I, I mean, I got to eat too. I'm not going to go work. I'm not going to work anywhere just to, so you can feel better about it. Like I'm going to work at places I want to work at. And if it right. happens, happens to be a production company of yours, it's going to be production company of yours and you have to deal with it. Or you, and then you, so you start to learn all these cues where, you know, when people are start wishy-washy like that, you, it's probably not a good place to work at. So right. I learned that the hard way in many aspects, but you know, as I was in, when I was freelancing, I, while I enjoyed the time off, I was starting to get like kind of restless because mm-hmm. the work I do, which is like rights and clearances and permissions, you know, it's a very, it's a very niche position. So, you know, when you're a freelancer, if you find a show and it has like many seasons, you stay there. You don't really <laughs> want to leave. And if you're at a production company that has a lot of shows, you don't want to leave. And they like to, they don't like to retrain new people. They like to use people as much as they can, as long as they can. So I always often found I was either relieving somebody or coming in for a small project or, and I I started to get tired of that only because I wasn't getting ahead money wise. I wasn't, I I felt like I had to always explain myself like, why were you only working for two months or why were you working for six weeks? I'm like, because it was a contract job. There, there's, I mean, I didn't get fired. It was a contract job. So, you know, it, when you're trying to apply for a staff job, even in entertainment, they don't understand it. They don't understand production at all. And I always felt like with many times with recruiters, I was trying to explain to them how our process, what, how it was to work in that business. And even though it's the same business, it's just a different (laughs) part of it. 
Yeah. So I often found myself, I found myself very frustrated with, with HR people and recruiters because they didn't understand. And I'm like, are you even taking the time to understand? Because it does, mm-hmm. it just seems like you're looking for keywords and that's it. I'm like, you're not looking at it holistically. And I know right. you're not because I'm not getting selected for anything. You right. know? <laughs> so, so I felt like the more experience I got, that became easier for me. And the less questions of, oh, why aren't you taking the bar exam? Like I started to finally learn throughout this process that it's a game and I just got to play it. Right. And and I'm a very honest person, like not a liar. I don't like to fudge anything, but I had to say it in a way where it was okay for them never to worry about it. So I would go like, Hey, I don't know when I'm going to take this exam. I'll take it someday. (laughs) I'll just take yeah. it Sunday. I don't know when that is. I'll let you know when I pass. I'll like let I, you know. Look like you can't really question it because people who are not even in my position, they would get the job. Like you think that was the better fit. And then they leave after a year. I'm like, so what good was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? And that's what, that's why oh, I love. Oh no, you're good. I was just going to say, this is why I really wanted to have this conversation with you because on this podcast it's all about removing the veil and the kind of gatekeeping that exists in the job market and tell it like it is right you you just mentioned how you're honest and you're to the point and that's why when we first met and had our first conversation I was like oh wow we have to have her on here because you're gonna tell it like it is for the entertainment industry for lawyer and how to navigate the interview process, right? Because what you're talking about is how to answer questions that are very nitpicky in the interview process, but build your resiliency throughout the journey, right? Yeah, I mean, like, it gets tiring. I I remember, yeah, I remember one interview two years ago before I got my job at Tennis Channel, that it made it sound like I was a shoe in I said everything they wanted to hear. And I even believed it. I'm like, it was, um, I, I, I am open. I could say it was at Fox and, um, which is now Disney. Um, <laughs> they were talking about the merger and they're like, you know, this job might only, you might only have this job for nine months. And I'm like, I'm fine with that because I've already been doing that already. So it right. wouldn't be anything new to me. And I've adjusted. I, you know, it's not what I like to do, but it's, I'm used to it at this point, you know, but at least right. I'll have, like, I even said, at least I'll have Fox on my yeah. resume. And they, and, and then- I, I felt led on to the degree where I, it would sound like I was going to, they were going to offer me a job. And then two days later, they're like, yeah, we went with somebody else. I'm like, I was so, I was discouraged. I almost wanted to leave the industry because of it. Cause I was so tired of having my work experience, not appreciated my work ethic, not appreciated my, my wealth of knowledge, not appreciated. It's like, right. I mean, I'm not going to go take your jobs. I just want a job that's sustainable, something where I want, I'm okay doing it 40, 50 hours a week because I don't see, um, I'm, I'm very different than what a lot of people will say about, you know, finding the job that you love. I'm not like that only because everything I love is outside of my job. That doesn't mean I hate my job. That, that definitely does not mean that it, it really just means I like doing this work for 40, 50 hours a week. And that's where it literally ends. Right. And then my life and my hobbies and my interest and my passions, they're all outside of work. So work is a, is a vessel and kind of a conduit to give me the things that I enjoy. It's not my life. And right. I make that very clear 
because then I can have the work-life balance. Because if you're right. like, my, my, the argument I make is, oh, my, my, my job is my life. It's my love. It's my passion. Mm-hmm. Then you never get to separate it. Right. You know, like, my passion's photography. My passion is, you know, I love taking pictures, but one, there's not an industry for me for that. It's oversaturated. It's very competitive. And if I'm always trying to look for how I'm going to make money off of this, I feel like in my experience, I'm going to love it less. And I right. don't ever want to lose my passions. So they mm-hmm. just stay as amateurish. And if I can try <laughs> to make some money off of it every once in a while, great. But it doesn't become the way I make money. You know, and, and it's a, and yeah. that's a, you know, it's a minority view. Not everybody's going to share that view. Right, and that's right. okay. But I just feel like for me, work, I don't work to live. Wait, what's that? I always forget what that <laughs> quote is. I don't live to work. No, hold on. Hold on. I work to live. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's you don't you don't live your life to work but uh-huh. you use your work to live right right whatever I, yeah whatever we'll find the quote and we'll put it in the show notes no worries <laughs> but I love it yeah I love that idea because I think you're onto something because if you put so much pressure on your passion to make you money you lose motivation to do that passion right Mm -hmm. so let's say playing soccer is a passion that I have and I wanted to be maybe a pro athlete but then it didn't work out so it's like oh now I don't like it anymore but why not it gave you love it gave you passion you had fun doing it why don't you just keep it as a hobby and then find the work that's going to give you the money to survive in this life. Because at the end of the day, we still need to, we have bills to pay and we live in, we exist in this capitalist world, but how can we build kind of both, right? Your work, but also your life. And what have been tools that helped you in your work-life balance? So one of them that I've heard you say is um, you don't put pressure on your passion project to make you money. Um, so what's another kind of tool that you use to create that separation? Um, I think also too, what I do with work-life balance, I kind of actually start that at the beginning of any job I do. Mm -hmm. Um, so for example, I would, I didn't ask in my, in my last, my current job, but I did eventually (laughs) ask my boss. I'm like, so, Hey, boss, man, do, do, I mean, do you expect me to like work outside of my hours? He's like, no, your job you, the the way your job works, you don't need to be answering emails like all hours of the night. I don't expect you to do that. And you can answer them in the morning. And that's just, and that's the end of it. But at other places I would, I had to, I remember uh, many interviews I had before that I asked like, do you expect them to be still on the clock after they've left the office? Mm-hmm. And that was always kind of a giveaway if I wanted to work there or not. Mm. So and most of the time it was yes, but sometimes it was no. Or like, we want you to be working. You have to have your own cell phone. And I'm like, I want my own. You got to give me a cell phone. I'm not using my personal cell phone for your work. Nope. Mm, you know, so that so is, you, you learn that. A, go ahead. Oh, you learn those sort of things. And then the bit, oh, the big one was the first. And that's, this is where I do almost every job. I leave the office for an hour for lunch or however much time I have for lunch. I leave. I don't eat at my desk. I will never do that. I might've at this job, I might've done it one time cause I was lazy, but I, I leave. I physically leave my desk, even if it's for an hour. And you know, even as like, you know, I'm a Muslim and I do Ramadan 
just because I'm not eating doesn't mean I don't get my hour. I still get my hour. If I want to walk around for an hour, I get to walk around for an hour. I take those breaks very seriously because my first job I had when I was working at E, I remember I picked up something and I went right back to my desk because I thought that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was working, I was eating actually because I'm like, this is now my like 30, 30 to hour break. I, I want to eat. And then people started asking me questions to do work. And I'm like, no. And I've never got to eat. And I was very angry that day. So for so from that day forward, I always left because I had to I had to had to absolutely leave. Even that means I take a later lunch. I was fine with that. Like if I take lunch at like 233, I need that. That that's my time. So right. and then every job ever since I ask, are you okay with me doing that? Because I do take the hour. And I think it's just so important to create those boundaries mm. at the beginning. Or like sometimes I tell people when I work with production, I say, I don't check my email after I leave. It's six o'clock, I'm done. Or 6.30 mm-hmm. or whatever it is. I don't mind staying late. But the minute I leave, I don't want to hear about it until I come tomorrow morning. So, or the next day. And then mm-hmm. for weekends, it's the same way. I'm like, because the people I work with are a lot of third parties that have business hours. They're not going to have weekend hours. So I always have to frame it that way too with them. I'm like, right. you can ask me, you can email me all you want Saturday morning, but if they're all closed, I yeah. can't even until Monday anyway. So I just learned very early on, it's not worth it being a martyr because you don't get any recognition for it. You know? Yes. There's louder. No, there's no reason to be a martyr. Like you are only shooting yourself in the foot when you do that. And you're only being a disservice to yourself. Like when I was a PA, I'd see PAs nervous and scared. Like, oh my God, I have to do, I'm just like 99% of the job is showing up. Mm -hmm. Just do what you're told. Like you're confident. You can go get coffee. You can make, you can do an order. You can go pick up, go do pickups for equipment, you know? And I felt like I had the confidence in doing it. Even though I felt like I'd still have to prove myself. I -hmm. had the confidence where I didn't walk nervous. I was always pretty confident in what I did, mm-hmm. you know, at work. And I felt like I had to, that came from myself because, you know, I, in college and I didn't have mentors. I didn't know what to do with them. That's why mm-hmm. I never utilized them. I never did an internship in college. And, you know, I did the student newspaper that got me my first job. But, <laughs> you know, other than that, I didn't have like the typical traditional path that you should have in college to enter into the workforce and law school was the same way I didn't because my first semester my first year was so hard because I lost a parent my grades did suffer as a result so Mm -hmm. I was very not confident in doing internships because they'd look at my GPA and throw throw away my application so I never felt confident but I always Mm -hmm. did you know, I did, we had clinics, which is kind of like you work under a supervising attorney, which is your professor. And you mm-hmm. do that. Like we had to do one. I did two because I know mm-hmm. I didn't have enough experience, you know, mm-hmm. and I wanted to feel somewhat more confident, but I kind of learned along the way from a lot of lawyers. You learn that on the job anyway. I'm like, oh, of course. Uh, of course. Before we talk about law school, cause I have some questions about that. Um, I, if you're listening with the, she talked about the interview and how important it is to ask questions to say, Hey, these are my boundaries in the work environment. Does And it's important to understand for students. If you're listening is you are also interviewing the job too, right? You also hold power in the interview process. So you can ask these questions and set those boundaries. Like 
Faiza mentioned, right? Asking if you uh, expect me to respond to emails after work hours. And number two, do you expect me to respond on the weekends? And like she said, she gets up from her desk to take her lunch. You by law are given 30 minutes, right? For, for lunch or an hour. At least, at least 30, 30 to an hour. Yeah, 30 to an hour. So that is your time that you're given by law. So that is your time to leave to eat your lunch. If you want to go take a walk around the building or whatever you need to do for yourself, that is your time. Um, so I think those are really important boundaries to start learning through the interview process because what the company tells you is going to give you a clear indication of how they treat their employees. So I love that story that you, t you, you shared with us about work-life balance and how you set those boundaries, even in the interview process, which I think is such a golden nugget. I, it's important because, and I, and I learned that the hard way. That's why I became a little bit more, I be, it's kind of like, you know, retooling your toolbox and making sure uh -huh. that, you know, like, oh man, one job, I did all this. Why? Oh, I never asked that. You know, and then in the future, I remember when I would leave a job, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, next time I can ask this. And I think you, you hit it so beautifully. It's, it's, it's a mutual process. They right. are asking questions as much as you are asking them. And at the end of the day, I always want people to feel empowered when they apply for work. Right. So, for example, it's like you are a free agent. You can literally go anywhere you want, apply anywhere. And you are doing, you're applying 50, 60 jobs online mm -hmm. every chance you get. But for the companies, they don't have many avenues. All they got is what's on their portal, a recruiter, mm -hmm. and maybe some referrals from current employees. That's all they got. And then they have to work with whatever they have. You right. have the luxury of going everywhere. They have limited resources and who to choose from. And in the end, they are taking a risk in who they pick regardless of how qualified mm -hmm. they think they are because you can look great on paper and then still be terrible at the job. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? So it's, it, it, it's, you know, they, I always say like, you have so much power that you don't even realize that. And it took me a very, mm -hmm. very long time to realize that, that I had a lot of power and it may, and I wasn't afraid to ask questions anymore because mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, what questions am I going to ask these people? I just want money. <laughs> But then at the end, you start to learn. Like, job. Oh. So at the end, you start to learn you're here 40, 50 hours a week. You know, you're, you're there five days a week. You you, a lot of your time is at work. So yeah. you want to make sure you're asking enough questions that work for you. So you feel comfortable going there every single day. And I think that's what I liked working about in my freelance work. Not so much my mm -hmm. staff is that right. I always felt good coming in every day because I knew it was going to end eventually <laughs> and with my current job too. I mean, my job is very flexible. You know, yeah. my boss doesn't micromanage me. You know, it's an environment where everyone in my department leaves to take a lunch. Perfect. I don't know when that ever happened in any of my work. Everybody at least leaves to at least get lunch or to make a phone call or whatever. They don't feel tethered to their desk. You mm. know, some days might be busier than others, but I like that people around me, even though we're very small, we have an example like, it's okay if you leave, or it's okay if you want to go work out for during your break, or it's okay if you need to go do errands during your one hour break. Like, that's what the break is for, to get away <laughs> from it. So when you come back in, you're a bit more productive, you know? So I just feel like at those companies like that, like with my boss in particular, 
he just expects us to do our job. Like we're adults. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to be micromanaging mm-hmm. me or babysitting me to make sure I do the work. <laughs> I'm that you're paying me to go do it. You know, right. and I appreciate that because that means you do trust me. And right. I think other places where they micromanage you, you don't feel as trusted and it makes you question, well, why did you even hire me in the first place? If you're going right. to micromanage me and control me all day long, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be that way. So yeah, absolutely. It's about trust and knowing where your uh, expertise lie and let, giving yourself the room to actually do the job you were hired to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I love this conversation, having entertainment industry, law school, and kind of figuring out and navigating your path as a uh, child of immigrants, which we touched a little bit about the, the nuances with that. Um, Are there any last words of advice that you would like to give any student listening in? And uh, if they wanted to connect with you, where can they find you? Oh, sure. So I think any just last minute stuff, I think I know it just, what what is this generation? Generation Z? Generation A? I don't even know what they are anymore. (laughs) Gen Z. It's Gen Z right now still? Okay. Yeah. I I think with them, it's like the world is harder I, that, I do not lose, that's not lost on me at all. It's a pandemic, you know, and the ripple effects of that pandemic will go on for probably years. But mm-hmm. I think learning to be resourceful and mm-hmm. m- making do with what you have is enough. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean you're mediocre. It doesn't mean you don't want to strive for excellence. It's just giving yourself the grace like, hey, this is what I got right now the way you can be excellent is to be excellent in the things that you do have that are in your mm. control. So be excellent in what you have and not so much. Why can I do it this way? I'm, you're not mediocre. And I think if you turn off all the noise mm-hmm. and not compare yourself to others, it does you wonders because then you're on your own path and go to people when you want support not to size them up going, all right, well, I'm doing better than them. Oh crap. I'm not doing better than them. Cause it does, you no good. And, as as the world gets more interconnected, especially with geopolitics, we become more interconnected and right. we can't just be isolated anymore. We have to work together. So see it as an opportunity as working with the future peers. Like that's what we say in law school. Like if you stay in the state you're in, that's the people you're going to work with. Mm-hmm. So you better make sure that you can be around these people and collaborate with at least a few of them. Right. You know? The legal communities are small. Even though we mm-hmm. say there's too many lawyers, they are <laughs> the immediate legal communities in your city are actually quite small where you right. will get to probably know everybody within five years. Right. Oh, Absolutely. and then who would contact me? Um, so I, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I think my name is posted on my Zoom. Just look for me with that. And then I'll say the last job, we'll say tennis channel. And then you can also email me. I, my email box is forever open. It's um, F as in Frank. And then my entire last name, M-O-K-H-T-A-R at gmail.com. And it's all one word. So those are the best ways you can contact me. And even if you see this podcast months or even <laughs> after the fact, you know, the inbox is always open. Like, And the LinkedIn request is always open for you to accept because these questions are... I don't think, uh, you know, I don't care. Like I'm always interested in helping people because I know I didn't have a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents did the best they could, but I don't want others to feel that there's no help, you know? And then 
that like my situation is very different than many others. Some people could even have it worse than I have, but right. I don't want people to feel alone or feel like they can't go to college or get that dream job because mm -hmm. they don't know who to go to. So I always feel like I'm one person, but one is better than zero. So yes. please never hesitate to ask any question, you know, anything we talked about, you know, I'm happy to answer, even do a chat or just get you figuring out like where to go. Like I do like essay, like I used to read, <laughs> I used to read personal statements, like for, oh, random, that's cool. like for random people online too. I was in a form and I'm like, I'll read your essays. I did that for one person. And like, I think I became Facebook friends with her because of it. I still, and I'm still friends with her. So because I read that. her essay, you know, and I, I love that. And we went over as, and I did it for friends and, you know, I did it for law school. I do, I, mm -hmm. I used to do it for the legal fraternity I'm in. Like I would offer it to our pre-law students if they want to go to law school. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would always offer it so that even that I'm always open to reading personal statement because, you know, sometimes people think like, Hey, like I have to write this sob story. And I'm like, no, right. you don't have to. You just want to write a story that's intriguing and interesting that I can read for two pages but it's also true to yourself and showing right. your that because that's all it really is. It's how well you can write and how you can make something interesting. Could be the most boring thing. I remember reading an essay that was not like this. Oh my God. Like everybody around me died and you know, I was homeless. And it was, like it was just simple story. Like, Hey, I did dance and it became a thing I, that I was very passionate about. And it was a great, and I said, it was like, Oh, should I write something? I'm like, no, don't write anything else. Yeah. Good. Just make this you make it your voice because right. it's not what they want to hear. It's what they need to hear and they need to hear your voice. So right, right. That's, that's my two cents on the essays. <laughs> I love that. Maybe we'll come back for a part two to talk about personal statements. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would love to do that. I haven't, I haven't yes. done this years so I might be rusty but I still I still love doing it because it was always you know kind of it 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 actually helps you like if you're on the border you it, you can actually get in with your essay so right. at least in college I can't speak for law school but at least in college that is the oh case. yeah absolutely I totally agree with that the essay is so important so stay tuned for a part two we're going to talk about grad school essays and I will put all of her contact information in the show notes in case um, you missed uh, what her LinkedIn and her email is. Everything will be in the show notes and on the website. So thank you so much, Faiza, for joining me today. And everyone, if you're listening, stay tuned for part two. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Until next time. There you have it, my friends. That is the episode of College and Career Coffee Chats. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, like, share, tell your friends, tell your dogs, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell your colleagues, your mentors, anyone you think would find value in this episode and this podcast. And I hope you follow me on Instagram at Delicia D'Alarcon, on TikTok, TikTok Career Coach for some dancing, some free resources on YouTube at Deli Lingo Academy, and you can always check out the website for updates, DeliciaAlarcon.com, for coaching, support, VIP days, mini courses, free resources and guides. Everything's on the website, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And make sure you join the free Facebook group where we will do trainings and hype each other up in the College and Career Hype Crew on Facebook. All the links are down below. Let me know if you have any questions, concerns, and anything specific you want us to talk about on this podcast, any feedback you have, I'm always here to listen and learn. So until next time, my friends, cheers. 
see you in the next episode. Ciao!